Mango Mustache Media. Hi ho there, friends. Welcome on back to another episode of One Word Stories. I'm your host, Alex Schulte. And today we're going to be talking about something really great with someone really great. But before I introduce them and the topic, I would like to tell you that this is the show where we take one word and let it inspire the stories we tell. This show is produced and distributed by the LAS Podcast Network right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And if you'd like to uh, support this show and other shows like it, then consider subscribing to LAS Plus. For 10 bucks a month, you get bonus content. You get exclusive stuff. You get uh, uh, discounts on our live shows. You're supporting local in a way that's never been possible before. You get merch. Go to LASPodcastNetwork.com slash plus to get started. And you'll probably feel just a little bit sexier tomorrow. If you sign up, just to, to let you know, I know I feel sexier today after signing up. If you want this same feeling, go ahead. LAS plus, baby. All right. So today, I'm trying to introduce this without sneezing because I have like a sneeze coming on right now. This is the worst. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to put my finger under my nose. Today, I have a, a wonderful guest, someone who I've admired from afar for years, but have never met until literally 15 minutes ago. She is um, the anchor at KCRG TV 9 News at 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. If you'd like to check her out, Channel 9, it's in the name. My guest today is none other than Nicole Agee. Hey! Yes! Nicole, thank you so much for joining me on One Word Stories. I wish I had an introduction song every time. You can have this. It would be great. Yeah, I think you should have an introduction song too, like WWE style. You're walking down the ramp, yeah. fireworks are shooting off on walk the sides. In, walk into the anchor chair, have some sort of like yeah. theme like they do when they are up to bat. And I think that's pretty Colonel's cool. Games. You know, I want to be completely transparent right now. We did something that you never get to do in work, and that is take two. This is our <laughs> second try opening up this podcast today because for some reason... I was like, hi, I'm Bob Saget. And that didn't make any sense. It was just the word that came out of my mouth. And Logan was like, you want to try that again? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do, Logan. I want to try that again. <laughs> so here we are, take two with Nicole Agee. We're talking about something that's affecting all of us at all times. <gasps> there it is. I said it. Mm-hmm. Al Betker, help me out. What's the word? Today's episode is brought to you by the word time. shouldn't have had Taco Bell before this. <laughs> this Diablo sauce is like clearing up my sinuses, but we're powering through it. Horrible timing, might you say. Timing was bad. Mm. This episode is not brought to you by Diablo sauce. Nicole, we wanted to talk about time today because that's something that you have to use so much in your life and your busy schedule. And I mean, of course, we could talk about anything with time. We could go back through time and find out how we got here, which is what we're going to do. But before we do that, could you give me a quick, who are you? Who is Nicole Agee? In 2022. Oh, my goodness. Um, I am, first and foremost, a mom of two adorable little gremlins <laughs> who keep me on my toes. Um, they're seven and three. It's uh, Jack and Holly, my kids, and they're wonderful. And I anchor the news, as you said, at KCRG. 
I've been doing that. It'll be 13 years wow. in, in April. So wow. I know it time flies. And uh, sure does. I'm native to Iowa. I grew up in Ottumwa. Um, I am facing a very difficult birthday in July. I'm going to be 40. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, again, why this topic of time is very relevant to me. Yeah. Um, I enjoy theater very much, music. I enjoy cooking. Uh, I like to think that I know a little bit about everything because as a journalist, that's the best part of what I do is interviewing people and learning lots of neat things right. every day. Right. So I guess that's me in a nutshell. Do you think that's uh, the reason you're a broadcaster is because you're so interested in other people's stories? I think it's being able to share those stories. Um you know, and, and, and being a storyteller is such a powerful thing, and it's a responsibility that I think yeah. any journalist really takes seriously. Responsibility and a privilege. Absolutely. And so uh, the, my favorite part about my job is doing interviews and yeah. getting to know people. And I ha it's very weird to be on this You're side on of it. You're on the other side. It's very weird. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make this uh, too painful. I promise. Today, <laughs> we're just gonna be talking about what made you you. Because I'm so interested in how. Um, um, let's see here. If we're doing the math, at 26 years old, then you started in broadcasting at KCRG. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so young to be to be starting, and then to have a, a year. A, career that's lasted 10 years is already extremely impressive but going into 10 and a half almost yeah. or another half decade well beyond that I've been on TV for 18 yeah. so I had wow. you know before I was here I was in Minnesota for a few years anchoring the evening news and then I was in Columbia Missouri anchoring and reporting and then yeah. I got my start in Cedar Falls I'm a UNI graduate ah yeah hey go Panthers yeah go Panthers um had a great game against Loyola the other day um, which is great. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. I used to live right next to Loyola in Chicago, okay, Rogers well, Park. you and I just but I, them, so. <laughs> okay. I like <laughs> you and I more, though, for the record. Yeah. I got some family who went there. And now I know you who went there, so I'm even even bigger fan. There you go. Um, um, so, so I want to talk about time with you here, because time seems to, as much as we're talking about how it keeps flowing, it keeps going... Um, Time management seems to be the most impressive part of your life, I mm -hmm. think. I don't know how someone like you can can balance a home life and also be in the public eye almost at all times mm -hmm. and report on such divisive topics without being divisive yourself. That's such a fascinating thing to me. So I kind of want to dive into how you manage your time. How do you juggle all of these different things at once? The big answer is I'm not sure how I do it some yeah. days. You just do. I think that, you know, most people have similar battles. I think the public eye piece is probably unique to, you know, fewer people. Um, because when you get into journalism, they tell you it's not it's not just a job. It's not just a career. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Right? Because right. wherever you go, you are someone who people will probably know and have expectations and perceptions about. And so there's, and then you, you know, you start to, you know, your kids wrap into your public life. And so it becomes a whole mm. bigger thing. But the thing about time is, you know, it's, it's something that none of us will ever beat. We will all lose to time. And the thing that really made that clear to me was when the pandemic hit. And I remember vividly, we have a wipe, uh, wipe off eraser. What is that called? Ooh, uh, dry erase. Uh, yeah, dry My erase. My goodness, board. yes, on our fridge that we keep track of all the family stuff. Yeah. 
And I remember when things started shutting down in March 2020, and we just, I remember wiping that clean. Really? Because we had nothing going on. Right, right. All of a sudden, all of these dates and times didn't matter anymore. Right. And I thought, I've never cared so much that I had so much time Mm. to do things, you know, because I miss everything that would have been on that calendar. I'm wondering how that extra time treated you during the pandemic, having having such a busy lifestyle up until March 2020. What'd you do with your extra time? I'm assuming a lot of family things, but specifically, oh, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you pass that time of isolation? It's you'd think I'd have more time to like read a book because I haven't <laughs> been able to read a book since like 2013, um, which is almost mildly embarrassing. I read a lot of news articles. I read magazines. Reading a book cover to cover is is not in my wheelhouse in terms of time these days. But, <laughs> no, when you have, I think, especially young kids who didn't really fully understand why all of a sudden we weren't going to the trampoline park and we're not doing this or How that. How old are your kids? Seven and three. Got it. Yeah, so young. A oh, my first gosh. first grader and a preschooler. And so... They're close enough in age where they'll still play together, but they're getting far enough apart now in interests where, sure, you know, one likes dance, one likes baseball, and, you know, dancing baseball hasn't been invented yet. So. Not yet. <laughs> it sounds like you need to put their brains together right? to create it. Yeah. Um, so, so did that have a, some sort of different effect on your family? Because... Obviously, we were raised in very different times. With with, I was raised in the '90s, mm-hmm. um, um, and you're an '80s kid then, correct? Mm-hmm. We didn't have a pandemic growing up. It, being a COVID kid has to be just so wild because the expectations and and the things you get used to as a kid, sure, growing up and and learning how the world works during a pandemic has got to be so bizarre. Like play dates not happening, and it really, I think, impacted. The grown-ups more than the kids, especially with kids as young as mine, because right. my son, for example, hasn't gone to school in quote-unquote normal times right. ever. Right. He doesn't know what Even he's missing. Seven. Really? And, and you know, my preschooler missed out on all the field trips that her brother got to take when she was that age, but she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And so for them, they're blissfully unaware. Right. And I'm aware and it bothers me, but I just kind of follow their lead in this sense. My kids taught me a lot in the last two years about patience and tolerance and understanding. And I just, I don't, I could not have made it through all of this without those yeah. two. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. You were, you were frustrated on, on their behalf then. And they were like, just carefree. And this is what we know, mom. Not a big deal, mom. It's fine. That's great. Where's my iPad? So let's, uh, uh, Let's back up a little bit then to right when the pandemic started. This is a question I ask most of my guests, but I'm so curious on what kind of big plans you had that got cut off when the pandemic started. Oh, um, just sports practices. Um, you know, you mentioned playdates with friends. My son had some birthday parties on the calendar. Um, we had some trips to visit family. And because my parents are older, we, I mean, we have to remember what we didn't know when this first started, because there were so many things we didn't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And especially as it pertains to people who are older in your family or might be, you know, more at risk of whatever we thought might COVID might do. And so, um, you know, we just sat in our house for a month and thought about all the outings we had planned as a Mm. family. And yeah, just heartbreaking. I mean, remember, I mean, parks weren't even open. 
Right. That's, you think about that two years later and it seems wild. Right. You know, and I'm trying to think of how I'm going to tell this story to my kids when they're older. Like, you can find toilet paper. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right, right. and my husband has family out on the East Coast, and I remember vividly getting a call from them, and they're in the healthcare industry, and they said, for whatever reason, people are buying toilet paper, so you you better go buy some. And so right. we bought responsibly one package of toilet paper. Good, good for you. And we were we were fine through the shortage. But I just I try to think about how I'm going to explain this to my kids. How silly this was when they get older and. I, I don't know if they're going to shrug it off or they're not going to believe me. Probably a combination of the two. Probably a combination. Yeah. 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 I guess how would you take it? You know, you'd be like, well, I mean, it wasn't any different to me, but sounds like it sucked. You yeah, know? It sounds awful. It's like your grandparents are like, the depression was terrible. You're like, I'll bet it was. I wasn't there. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's 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 hard to connect with things you don't know. Right. Right. Um, um, you know what? Honestly, that makes me think of something, though. You are always covering things about other people's stories and you're telling these stories. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you are a master at having strangers connect with strangers. You're telling someone else's story in a way that gets it in front of someone like me to care about them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we talked about how that's a responsibility, the privilege of coming with that. But there's also a lot of pressure that comes with with making sure that this right story is told. Mm-hmm. And I think with anything like this, with podcasting, radio, TV, anybody can do it for one day. Maybe you could do it for a week. Try doing it for a year. Try doing it for a decade. Try doing it for 13, 18 years. Yeah, yeah. How do you maintain that? How do you keep going? How do you keep telling these stories? I, I guess I'm mainly curious on how you deal with the fact that these people's stories are in your hands. Yeah. And you have to take them and translate them to the public. Some stories are easier to tell. Some stories are, um, you, some st- stories are very sensitive mm-hmm. and... Some stories you just you want to shout it from the mountaintops because you've just talked to someone so great. And in a time where we see so much negative things in the news, you just want to share like, guys, there's still good out there. There's still great people doing fantastic things. And I'll give you an example. Um, We do a Nine Who Care program every year. And we get to all of the anchors and reporters at the station are assigned a person, one of the nine people. And we do a story on this person. So I had the honor of interviewing a woman named Deb Dunkase, who's one of the founders of Open Heartland in Iowa City. And they are basically becoming a community center for Latino immigrants in the Iowa City area. Oh, wonderful. And she does fantastic work. And I remember reading her nomination form. And, you know, I think we had a maybe 20, 25, 30-minute interview. And then I told Deb, I said, when you watch this, it's going to be about two and a half minutes because, again, with time, we're very compact in what we are able to share. Right. And I want to do your story and your service justice. It's a huge responsibility. Right. And she saw it. She couldn't have been more complimentary. Um, we had people reach out saying, how can I help? How can I help this mission? Oh, wonderful. And when you get feedback like that, it just makes you feel like you're doing something positive. Yeah. Well, I guess with someone like you, someone like any of us that that do have a microphone or a soapbox to stand on, essentially, Mm -hmm. it's so amazing when you can use it for good. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to become the supervillain in this story. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm also curious. I guess I don't want to get away from time, but I'm so curious how it has been being in the media when so much of the country has turned against the media. Have you ever have you felt in danger these past couple of years or 
how have you dealt with that backlash? I guess from a mental health standpoint. Sure. No, it's it's a lot, and we've seen a lot of really great people leave the industry because of it. Whether it's a mental aspect, whether they've been physically threatened. Yeah. Sadly, um, you know, there were there were times when. I felt nervous. It wasn't so much for me, but more for my kids. Mm. And I don't want them to have to deal with my career choice and what I'm doing, you know, and sometimes I second guess, like, am I doing the right thing for my family? And I've been in those places a few times in the past couple of years. I think what, you know, we, we really like to make sure that we say when we get, you know, these feelings of mistrust is that local news is so much different. Right. It's so much different than cable news or national news. And I've been on the KCRG Facebook comments page. Okay. It's, or the Facebook page and I've I've gone through the comments. It's it, a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's one way or the other. I think the safe way to put it is it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know <clears throat> we it's we've got a we've got a stake in our city, right? We care about this place just as much as anyone else. We live here. Right. Uh, we pay taxes. Right. <laughs> We're raising our kids here, you right. know, and and I, I think that we just want people to know that we're one of you, and we're telling your stories. Right. Right. And it's it's our it's tough. our stories, right? I mean, this, this right. these things affect all of us right. if we're here. And how? Gosh, I've got so many questions about the media, <laughs> but I'm not going to go down that path because I'm like, well, how does local news differ from the the big media? But I really want to talk about. Time and Nicole Agee's time. Yeah. Okay. okay. So let's go before the pandemic, before sure. we knew that the world was going to end, <laughs> before um, the divisiveness and all this. What did your life look like when you're ten years into your career? We got heavy. Or we, sorry, ten years into your yeah. uh, uh, stay at, at KCRG specifically. We got heavy in a hurry. So I'm sorry for that. Wow, I jumped right into like pandemic what? like conversations. So. Uh, excuse me. I took us there, okay? <laughs> I asked, and you I answered beautifully, okay? So, no. I, I'm so here for that. I would love to get into the weeds and, and see how this has affected you because my mental health was terrible through the pandemic, you know? I mean, literally, one day, my girlfriend opened up the curtains. I was sleeping. It was like 1 p.m. No, that's not true. I was sleeping until like 1 p.m. every day. It was terrible. She, she opens up the curtains at 9 a.m. She's like, we're going to the doctor. And she drags me in. We we go in there. I tell them about all the issues I've been having because I lost my job during the pandemic. Got on medication. Started seeing a therapist. You know, these are these were all. And then I, the pandemic not only brought out what we were dealing with directly in that, but going to therapy and doing these things, it started opening up other wounds that I wasn't really aware of. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I I hope a lot of people took that two years, three years, whatever it's been now, you know, it's whatever it's going to be, to do some self-reflecting and, and maybe improve your mental health a little bit because Absolutely. it was heavy. And people, um, I think, felt very isolated and alone, and they felt kind of ashamed that they felt this way, like pity party for one. Yep. Um, and no one was alone in this situation and how they felt. Yeah. It's just that a lot of people weren't very forthcoming in admitting that they needed someone to talk to or, you know... Um, Iowans are tough help. too, you know, and Absolutely. Iowans are always very, I don't know, world fashioned like that. Like, oh, I can do it myself, you know. Um, uh, 
What am I? My dad now. My dad's Scott Schulte from. I don't know if you remember him from Z One Two Point. Oh, I was on the air with him. Oh, really? Yeah, a few times. Gosh, that's funny. Yeah, Small I used world. to bring uh, Claire pumpkin spice lattes. It was like a thing. It was an ongoing <laughs> oh, yes. thing for a few years. Oh, I love Claire. It was fun. Yeah. Um, but he's he's now working at a retirement home in Connecticut. Okay, and he helps like work on their on keeping them entertained and and he connects with the guests and 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 all this fun stuff. But he was talking about how during the pandemic, these these folks who are 90 years old, mm-hmm. 100 years old, they just suffer in silence. They're not out complaining about anything. They really are just old school like that. And they're like, oh, if, if I didn't go through some pain today, I didn't grow. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, if I didn't go through pain today, it was probably a pretty good day. <laughs> <It's> great day. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I'm over here suffering very loudly. <laughs> I, got a, I got a podcast. I'm talking about it now. But... I don't know. Iowans are kind of like that too, and I think Iowans, when they when we see we got some problems, we're kind of used to dealing with a little bit more internally. Mm-hmm. And I'm really loving though that the world is pushing people towards being accepting of everybody's mental health mm-hmm. and whatnot because we all need it. So yep, I don't I know. Agree. How was your mental health through the through the pandemic? Oh. Then how did you stay afloat? Work was a dis- a, a good distraction. How did in you a lot utilize your time? Um, I mean, for me, you know, we, we didn't work from home. Right. There was a time where my husband and I had to juggle at home school with our son. Oh, of course. And so it would be working from home in the morning and maybe going in. We never anchored newscasts from home. There was a stretch where we had our meteorologist doing forecasting at home Mm. and we had the capability to do it, but. I mean, it visually still to me looked, you know, weird. We were spaced out on our big desk in the studio, but we were I all like, that. it was bizarre. Yeah. Seeing that on TV. So for the first far time. away. And I'm an arm toucher when I talk. So right? am I. So oh I my, felt like it's a problem. I was reaching for arms and no one was there. <laughs> and I, you know, we, we went to work every day. We had, you know, um, plexiglass in between our. Because we're in a, you've the, been in our newsroom. Yeah, the cubicles. Yeah. Yes, I came in and serenaded Bruce Owney on his last day with Which my song, is... Bruce Owney's Mustache. <laughs> we talked about this beforehand, how we've been dancing around each other for yeah. years, <laughs> and we finally have just now met each other. We'll get to the Legally Blonde days in a bit. Oh, boy. But, but yes, please, tell me more about that. You've got glass panels above yeah. your, your, your desks. We're all wearing masks, you know, and um, we spaced out as much as we could in the newsroom also and we didn't I mean there were a lot of nuanced things that people at home may or may not have noticed that we tried to do just for our safety um, let alone knowing that we're reporting on all these safety measures we should be taking and we're also taking them ourselves and trying to do the best we can while also making sure that we're continuing to do our job for you something insane happened during really the flood of 08 and that was right before I got here where people would call in and ask questions that might be best served by calling like a a 211 asking where they could find food asking where they could find a place to stay asking um you know my power's out what do i do yeah and you don't think those kind of calls come into a newsroom right but we get those calls and we got a lot of calls about mental health of people and you know where they can go to find somebody to talk to and while some may think, oh, my God, why are these people calling the newsroom to find this out? It's an honor, truthfully, to be thought of in yeah. that way. Because there are moments where, as 
journalists and as newscasters and, and public figures in the community that we know that we have a job to do and that's sometimes to serve people. Yeah. We are we are servants of the people. I mean, yeah. we're no politicians in that way, but but yes, absolutely. And I love that responsibility that, yeah. that that someone like you would have by doing that. What an honor Ugh. it is. And and truthfully, and you ask about you know, how my mental health was. I think that really kept me going. Was that you were helping? I felt like I was helping. I felt like I was doing something important. And, and you were. And then also, you know, the mom stuff, where right. now we're constant entertainment for the kids because they're not going anywhere. Right. And yet they're constant entertainment for me. Sure. And I think that that balance really helped a lot. That's great to hear that because I was always like, oh, I would hate to be a parent for this. <laughs> <laughs> it, there were there were days. There were days where I wanted to put them up for sale. Um, I would never do that. They're great. But um, <laughs> we won't dive into those thoughts no. too much. That's Mm-mm. so funny. I think every parent has had those thoughts. I know for a fact my parents had those thoughts. <laughs> um, so so I really want to go ahead and jump. Uh, uh, all the way before the pandemic here in a little bit. Okay. But before we do that, can I? Can we play a game? I'm up for whatever. Okay. This is one of my favorite games that we play at the mid-roll of, of, uh, of the podcast called True Love and Two Lies, brought to you by Ginsburg Jewelers. Yes, Ginsburg Jewelers. Go and check them out. They're across the street from Lindale Mall on First Avenue, right next to that fountain that you're not going to put laundry detergent in. I'm going to say that every episode until it happens. I was going to say, you really latched onto that. It comes back to me. Oh, we covered that extensively. It's so funny. It's it's a great story. So many videos into the newsroom. So it wasn't just a made-up story. It was a real thing that happened. It It happened. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I think it was laundry detergent. I just remember the pictures and thinking, what? I, I don't. Nicole, here's the conspiracy another theory. Another day. Then. So, so you put the laundry detergent in there just to cover it, right? Um, I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's done by you. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> just joking. This is true love and two lies. I'm gonna give Nicole uh, three proposal stories. One of them is true. Two of them, I'm gonna make them up. Okay, you got to guess the real one, and and remember, everybody, if you go to Ginsburg Jewelers, they're in the same parking lot as Poncheros, right next to Red Robin. Let them know that the LAS Podcast Network sent you. Let them know that One Word Stories sent you. You're gonna get ten percent off your order. Ten percent—that's a lot of money. Also, you know, if you're looking to drop the question, drop the knee, pop the question, uh, buy yourself some bling. Ginsburg Jewelers is where it's at. Steve and the team are gonna take really great care of you. Okay, Nicole. Oh, really quick, oh, I was thinking sure. about that the other day. Ten um, percent off of a purchase that's like thousands of dollars. I know it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, if you get like a two thousand dollar engagement ring, two hundred bucks 200 off. Bucks right there. Mm-hmm. Right. What's that like? Four video games. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you measure everything in terms of. Video well, they're seventy now with the next gen console, so it's like three. But let's not get into it. <laughs> Okay, I apologize. Yeah, that's a foreign language to me. I don't I'm, know what you're talking about. I'm a gamer. I really like video games. You could buy one pair of shoes. Wait. Nicole. Okay, that's my language. I know. <laughs> I know. You haven't been playing Elden Ring? Um, what? Sometimes I play Lego Batman with my son oh. on a Xbox 360. Okay, for real, Lego Batman is a lot of fun. It's a great game. I actually do like that video game <laughs> a lot. Okay, story number one. So we actually met in middle school. We hung out all the time, went through high school as best friends, and started dating. 
we took a few, we took some time off from hanging out with each other when we actually decided we came back, started hanging out for a summer. We spent every day together. We couldn't get enough, and that's when we fell in love. One night, we were staying up late. We just, one of those nights where we stay up all night, gazing into each other's eyes, and I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too. And this was the first time she ever said that. And I said, then marry me. And she said, okay. And 33 years later, we're still married. Sound real? Yeah. Okay, my question, who writes the fake ones? Me. Oh, okay. I write, so, okay, so here's the thing, is I get the real story. Okay. I then write the real story. Okay. In my own words. Okay. And then I write the other two stories. So, like, they all kind of have, like, a similar feel. You're getting... Got it. The Alex Schulte uh, yeah. experience. Okay. This, I mean, in terms of Mythbusters, this is very plausible. It, yes, yes. It's plausible. Um, the, the, the devil's in the details, I find, with these things. Not mm-hmm. to give too many hints away, but if I do say too many details, it ain't true. Right. Okay. okay. Just to give that away, all right? All right. Story number two. It was August 7th, 1986. I was 25 and my boyfriend was 28. Neither of us had ever been to Disney World before, so we simply planned a trip. Getting on the plane, I knew he was going to propose. I figured it would be happening out in front of the castle like so many have done before, which I honestly wasn't mad about. So we got to the entrance and we asked this couple to take a picture of us, and I'm thinking, this is it! He doesn't propose. There were so many moments on this trip where I knew he was going to propose, but he just wouldn't. So we get back to our hotel on the last night there, and I'm literally thinking, why hasn't he proposed? We were winding down in the hotel lobby bar when he asked if I wanted to go for a walk before bed. We found this beautiful beach just a block down from our hotel. We sat down in the sand and talked for a while, and just when we were leaving, he's finally, he's behind me, and he says, hey, turn around to see him on his knee, and I scream, finally! And we've been together ever since. I'm with this bride in this moment. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I feel that one. Is, is it, were you waiting for the question yeah. with, with your husband? Uh, no. I'll, I can share my story later. Um, actually, you shouldn't share your story on this one because I would like to use your story in a future okay. episode. Okay, all right. So then I won't say anymore. So, yeah, don't tell okay. me your proposal right. story. We could talk about, you know, how amazing your husband is if you'd like to because I'm sure he's fantastic. <laughs> he's great. But I, I, I want to save it for another episode. So it's a little cliffhanger for the listener. How about that? Perfect. Okay. Story number three. So I have a horror story that actually ended up being beautiful. My then girlfriend and I were visiting Cancun, Mexico for our three-year anniversary, and it's weird you asked me to do this because I actually got my wedding ring from Steve at Ginsburg Jewelers. Anyway, my girlfriend always loved fireworks, and there was a fireworks show every night at the resort we were staying at. I knew she would think I was going to propose during the fireworks, so that's exactly why I couldn't. After the fireworks, she literally said, that would have been a great time to propose. I said, wouldn't that be nice? So the next day, we went scuba diving. This is how I wanted to propose. I wanted to have an incredible day in the water, and I wanted to make sure I got back to the boat before she did. And when she emerged out of the water, (laughs) I would be waiting there with the ring, and the guide was ready with a camera to capture the moment. Well, everything went perfectly planned until it didn't. I got back in the boat first. She emerges from the water to see me sitting there with a case open, asking her to marry me. She said, yes. I'm still not sure if she was crying because her face was so wet. But yet, as I went to put the ring on her finger, yep, 
We dropped the ring into the water. I immediately thought, why did I think this was a good idea? But here's the good part. We almost instinctively got back into the water. Oxygen takes on our back, started looking. Luckily, the water was so clear, and she was actually the one that found it. When she brought it to me, it was like being proposed back to. We've been married for four years now, and for anyone that hears this, don't propose on a boat. I'm testing you. Okay. As a journalist, I do my research. Yeah? I've heard that story before. No, and you And I haven't. know it is not true. Ah, I was like, hmm, let's see if she actually did listen to the Rob episode. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled that. You tested me. I did pull that one from the Rob episode. Uh-huh. So you know one of them's not true. Okay. I'm going to go with Disney, the Disney story being true. Disney story. Yeah. Okay, so you think it was at um, uh, the hotel on the beach. Finally. Okay, here's story. Well, the the, the true one. Well, we met in middle school, and oh. uh, we're like best friends <laughs> all the way through high school. And Always. then we graduated. We went our separate ways for like a year and um, came back together that summer, and we're just hanging out every day and just fell in love. And we would just spend like late nights, sometimes till like four in the morning, just staring at each other and just gazing into each other's eyes and not even saying a word. And uh, one night, I was just ha- having this moment where I was just staring in her eyes, and I said, I love you, Bonnie. And she said, I love you too. And she had never said, I love you back to me before. But I knew that it was real, and I just right then said, then marry me. And she said, yes. And here we are, 33 years later. What a voice. What a voice. <sighs> That's Shane Lunsford. He is the host of our podcast. Uh, one of the three hosts of our podcast, The Groove Life. Great guy. So you should have done more research because the other story was also from a previous was it? episode. They were both mm. reused. You should have spent 25 hours researching this show. <laughs> what is your yeah. deal? It's so simple, but such a beautiful story. It is. It's so fun. So I, when I reached out to Shane um, this morning to be like, hey, I want to use your story on my, on my thing tonight. He's like, dude, it's, it's not that cool. Um, it's, you know, it's not like an extravagant thing. We kind of, I asked her and I didn't even know I was asking her. I was like, dude, that sounds great. Yeah. Honestly, because, because that's real. Everybody's story is different. Yeah. Yeah. And you said this before the, we started recording, you said, well, we're all married the same. Yep. Right. We're all the same amount of married. He, the same amount of married. Mm -hmm. You were a bit much better. Yes. We're all (laughs) the same amount of married. So Shane's just as married as anybody else. And that is such a beautiful story. And him and his wife, Bonnie are still very, very in love. Anytime Mm -hmm. you see them together, it's, it's adorable. So thank you, Shane, for that. Nicole, wrong. Now you have to mow my lawn for the next (laughs) three months. Congratulations. I hope you love a scraggly lawn. I do. That's what I prefer. (laughs) This has been True Love and Two Lies, brought to you by Ginsburg Jewelers. Go check out Steve and the team. Cross the street from Lindale Mall on First Avenue, uh, right next to that fountain that Nicole pe- keeps putting laundry detergent in. Uh, that same parking lot with Poncheros, right next to Red Robin, Ginsburg Jewelers. Let them know that I sent you so you can get 10% off of your next order. It's a lot of money, okay? We're going to take a couple minute break. We're going to come back and find out what life before the pandemic was like and how Nicole managed time and how time has affected her throughout that time. Are you okay with that, Nicole? I'm great. Fantastic. (laughs) Stay right here, my friend. We'll be right back.
Wow, we're already back. Look at that. Time flies when you're having fun. Time <laughs> is what we're talking about today. I'm here with Nicole Ag from T- KCRG TV9 News, 4 p.m., 5 p.m. Go check her out. Go follow her Facebook page. It's blowing up. Everybody's, everybody's there. <laughs> Everybody's there. You do have a big Facebook following. I do. It's like 19,000. Yeah, but who's counting? Yeah. I did count the other. I was <laughs> like, geez, 19,000? What the heck is that about? Again, it's a responsibility, right? Responsibility and privilege. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, over the break, we were having some interesting conversations <laughs> that we don't need to get into again, yeah. but I kind of just want to give a little synopsis of the things you might <laughs> you deal with on in your life. Yeah. You've had people go through your grocery cart yeah. at the grocery store yeah. before to be like, what's Nicole A.G. eat? Yeah. And, and just, I mean, I'm not just shopping for me here. I'm shopping for everybody. And so, you know, the sugar, the lucky charms are not mine. Not to say that I don't Breakfast indulge in a marshmallow now and champions, then. champions, Nicole. Yeah. I went to Map Room the other day. They put uh, 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 marshmallows on the burger for their restaurant week burger. How was that? It was so good. It was so good. Completely unexpected. They It didn't taste like marshmallows. They really did just add oh, yeah. a sweetness to it. Well, I've had a burger um, down in Missouri when I lived there. And I think it's in Centri- no, Sedalia. They have a, it's called a goober burger. And it's oh, peanut butter yes. on the burger. And it's the first time I'd ever heard of that. I've heard of more now since then. Uh, Irish Democrat, the uh, the Aussie burger. Has peanut butter. Mm-hmm. And, and an egg. It's amazing. It's so good. So I would try the marshmallows. You'd like, you're going to like it. They, they've also got, I mean, this is not a sponsor by them, but I'm just going to shout them out anyway <laughs> because it was so delicious. And it's like my favorite restaurant in town. But they also had like this corn on the cobbled fashion that was really weird, but also delicious. It's just like, you know, if I just saw it on the menu, I would never order it unless it was the restaurant week thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yep. um, so we're talking time. Yes. We're talking time management. We're going before the pandemic now. Okay. okay. Life has not been cut off yet. At this point, you have just a four year old, I think. And no, yeah. and no, th- no, anything we're else. Like little baby. You're old. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what is like a decade into broadcasting in Cedar Rapids, Iowa? So really, especially when you balance like being a mom, like, there's a reason that I don't wear a watch normally, right? Because I didn't notice so much of my life is dictated by what time it is. So back up even farther. Think about. I'm going to turn it on you. Please think about I love it. When did you first acknowledge that time meant something? Like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, honestly, my my time management is so bad. I am terrible at time management. I'm always late to everything. It's the worst thing about me professionally. Okay, but when you were a kid, somebody watched the time for you then. Correct. Right? Correct. And but, I was always late then too. But you were aware, like, for me, school let out at three. Yeah. So I knew the important times. I'd right. Be there at eight. Lunch is around noon. Dragon Ball Z is on at four. And sure, <laughs> I watched a lot of Nick at Night when I was a kid. I watched so much Nick at Night as a kid. When everybody That's when I else, watched all of Fresh Prince. When everybody else was watching Fresh Prince, Full House, things that were trendy in the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. I was watching Mr. Ed. And Mr. I, Ed. And I was watching. You know, I've seen all I Love Lucy episodes. Uh, I watched a lot. I get made fun of for this in the newsroom a lot, by the way. I'm called okay. the old lady. I listen to Forties Junction on Sirius sometimes. Wow. I love the old shows. And I do currently have a butterscotch in my purse. And I'm not even <laughs> lying to you. Um, but anyway, but you, you start to have a concept. You know how long that commercial break is. Because mm-hmm. these are the days. Huh, remember, we didn't have remote controls. I had a dial TV, you know, right, at, at right. my parents' house. And, and so you knew that if you had to take your bath at night, 
you had to take it in about two and a half minutes to make sure you got back before the commercial ended. Oh, interesting. But anyway. That's what I do when I'm watching the news, by the way. I, I make sure I, I go and take a bath in two and a half minutes, and then I get back uh, at 5 p.m. for your for your next segment. Oh, that's I'm flattered, but you should have a pause button. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> in modern times. No. <laughs> okay, you caught me. That was a lie. So, um, but anyway, you, you think about the first time you ever noticed that there was something that was dictating when things were happening and how long you had between one thing and another. But usually you had a parent or a teacher or a coach who kind of guided yeah, you yeah. to know what time it was. And I remember getting my first watch, and it was a Swatch watch because I was cool. The Swatch watch. Swatch watch. Were those like the Snap-on? What was the Swatch it watch? W- they had, you could, inter- you could change the face on them. Oh. Like think about like Nokia cell phones when you could change the face on them. Yeah, yeah. Swatch watches were kind of like you could change, like they had these little bands, and you'd lose half of them, you know. Of course. But they were plastic. And mine, I think, was you digital. Just opened up like a chamber in my head that I didn't know was there. Uh-huh. I forgot about swatch watches. Yeah, and so I why, why call it a swatch watch? Just call it a swatch. That's probably what they did. That's pro- I probably. That's, that's sorry to interrupt, but that's the point, right? Right. <laughs> well, you don't call well, it. And a... we we bought one for Liam last year. Oh, they're oh. still around. Oh, they're still a thing. Yeah. I think it's for for parents, right? Who remember having one? It's a nostalgia piece. I think to just pass that on to your kids. Right. Anyway, right. Uh, my kid has a Spider-Man um, Fitbit that he never wears <laughs> because he's got a Swatch watch. Be- no, because he d- he doesn't want to wear a watch. Yeah. Um, also, he's irresponsible, so I'm fine with it. Um, so anyway, you know, and then you, you progress, and pretty soon you're uh, responsible for yourself, and you have to know what time it is at all times. And yeah. then you're yeah. in college, and you have class at a certain time, and now you've got no one really telling you to go. You you kind of just need to do it. Yes. So is that when it started mattering to you? Yeah, I in think college because then you have you because college is really when the balance of life and you figuring it out on your own really starts. Yeah. And so, I don't know that it's a common term, but in broadcast we use a lot the the term back timing. Yeah, I don't know this term. Okay. So when you back time, you know you have like a certain... So in TV, for example, we know that our out time, say for the 6 o'clock news, is at like 6.28.30 or something. It's never like a finite, like at 6.30. We have to get out right. so we can have a terminal break, and then World News Tonight Next comes show on. show starts at 6.30. Like you can't just go as long as you want. Right. You have a time. Right. And so if you know that's what time that has to end... You have to back time the entire half hour to make sure you hit that time on time. So you're planning things backwards. Right. So I use that back timing terminal like for my whole day. Oh my God, that's so I know what time I need to be into work. So I know I have to know how long it takes me to do my hair, put on my makeup, get my kids ready, get my kids out the door, how long I'm gonna have to eat. And it just time dictates the day to me. So I don't wear a watch because that's just gonna make my anxiety worse. Wow. When I'm already, there are clocks everywhere in a newsroom. There's a clock in here. Um, it's, a it's a it's timer. Not, it's not a clock. We're <laughs> it's it's numbers moving <laughs> okay. um, fast. Seems. Don't look at them. Okay. Don't, <gasps> it is. I don't know why the timer insists on giving us the millisecond that it is, but it does. We've got a timer here in the studio, so I can know if my podcast is going a little too long. When it hits about 25 minutes, I'm like, okay, it's time mm-hmm. for the Ginsburg segment. Um, and if we hit 60 minutes... I have not structured this <laughs> this podcast well, and we need to get the F out. But you have a producer, Logan. I do. Who keeps you on track, just like I have a producer right. during newscasts to keep me on track, because right. they're timing the show and 
anyway. Yep. So I guess, you know, my life pre-pan, really now and anytime, is all about back timing and understanding how long it takes me to do things and how much time I have to do said, said thing before I have to Got it. Do the next How do you know thing. how much time it takes to do things if you don't wear a watch? Well, because I can, I have a feeling of time, right? Your internal clock is pretty good. I know that most times we have about 25 seconds for a simple story. Or a longer form story might be a minute 45. I know what that time feels like. I know that it takes me, if I'm on the air at 4 o'clock, if I'm not, if my hair's not done, I have to be in the ladies' room to get ready mm. at 325. Or it's going to look bad. <laughs> I, if I have my hair is done, I have to be in the in the ladies' room at three thirty-five to get my face on. I can do it faster, but it's not going to look pretty. <laughs> uh, so I know how long because I've done this for so many course, years. That you just you just know. You've put in your ten thousand hours. Yeah. The thing that throws a wrench in it is when you involve kids in a getting ready process because they're not as predictable. Okay, so uh, to to jump around in time here then, can can you tell me about how that was like when you have your first child Mm -hmm. and everything just goes to shit? (laughs) They teach you a lot about how to restructure your day on the fly. Uh, Because I know nothing about this. I am not a parent. Sure. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's intentional. When my son was born, I was still doing the morning news. I did that job for 11 years. Right. And um, when he was born, um, he would still be asleep, really, when I would go to work. I used to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Jeez. That's and I go to sleep. <laughs> I know, right? And then I'd be at work at 3 and be on the air at 4.30. So by the time the Insane. clock was ticking when I woke up to get out the door, so I don't know what I would have done. And God, that's not mornings; that's overnight. De- it is overnight. <laughs> I call I called in the morning because it made me feel better. It is it is mornings, but right? Geez, for somebody, you know, for for the construction crew, for for the people making the world run. Yeah. Not for Alex. Oh. So I'm sorry to interrupt. No, Pl- you're fine. Please keep going. So more, it was more when I was home with him in the evenings when I knew I should probably go to bed at a certain time and he was agreeable or not, <laughs> depending on the day. It's good to have a partner when you need that help. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so before you had kids then, yeah. you're 26, 25 years old, you're yeah. mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, how's life? What, what are you going through at this point? What, what are, you, are you, are you, do you have aspirations that you haven't reached yet? Or now that you're at KCRG TV 9, have, did you do it? Oh, that's such a big question. I know. How much time do we have? Uh, 15 minutes. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, let's get take 20. Um, that's fine. Logan said my episode's been running long and I need to not have it run long, but you know what? You're more important. <laughs> so. When I took this job, it was a difficult time in broadcast. A lot of stations were cutting people. Uh, in fact, I, KCRG and the Gazette at the time had just cut a lot of jobs. And so it was a very uncertain time for a lot of people in the industry because jobs were being cut, do less with more or do more with less. Yes, yes. And, I, I know what you um, and so. Do less with more. Right. KCRG. <laughs> Goodness <laughs> you gracious. You heard it here first. So. You know, when I when I took the job here, in my mind, I thought, gosh, I grew up here. I went to school here. You know, I left for brief stints to get my master's in Missouri and work in Minnesota. But I really want to do something other than the Midwest. So I'm going to be here for a few years. And at this time, my husband and I had lived apart for a long time. We finally were able to get jobs in the same city and state. And we just 
we got here, we, we bought a house. Um, we said, okay, one contract, three years. We're going to do this. We're going to leave. And 13 years later, two kids, we're still here. And somebody, one of my coworkers said something to me that made a, a big impact on the way I think about this. If you leave, what are you looking for? What more do you want that you don't have here? Mm-hmm. My fa- I have family. My, my sister and her family are up in Cedar Falls. My parents mm-hmm. are still down in Ottumwa. Um, and that's pretty much family for me. We had a very small family. Um, and he was right. What, what am I looking for? Well, yeah, it'd be nice to not deal with winters in Iowa. Uh, my husband would disagree. He loves the seasons and I hate him for it. He's wrong. Um, he's, he's, he's so wrong. <laughs> if we could just have a couple of seasons hot and hotter, that, I would be fine with that. So would I. Yeah. I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. So like, I just, I, I don't know if that actually has anything to do with it, but I feel like my half Puerto Rican blood makes me colder than everybody else. I hate the cold. I do too. Not a fan. And I'm not Puerto Rican, but, um, <laughs> but that's maybe, maybe you are. Yeah. I just, I wear a lot of sweaters and things and I just try to make myself feel like I'm in a warm climate all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> beach vibes everywhere I go. <laughs> right. Um, so we did not intend to stay here as long as we did. Ah. And then. Same. There was kind of a pivotal moment because TV contracts are two to three years, generally speaking. I was up for a contract in 2013. This is tying in something that I know you wanted to talk about. So I'm helping you out a little bit here. Great. Okay. 2013 comes along and, um. What a lot of people don't know, my first major in college was theater. I was a big theater kid in high school, really loved it, thought if I could do this for a living, that would be great. Mind you, I was also co-editor-in-chief of my school paper. I'd done a lot of... Of course you were. I'd done a lot of... Uh, I wrote so for the Northern Iowan. I wrote for the Cedar Falls Times when that was a thing. I did radio, but I really, really enjoyed theater. And... I got into TV, really loved it, because there's the same sort of storytelling capability that you can have with theater. And Legally Blonde was posted on TCR's I'm literally writing down Legally Blonde right now. That's so funny. I won't (laughs) won't write it. And I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I I, I auditioned for another show, um, Crimes of the Heart, um, prior. I did not, I made it to callbacks. I was not cast. I was bummed. And that was like, that was... Me like reaching out like on a do they I do didn't this? cast Nicole oh. Ag okay the Nicole Ag it was my first audition in years <laughs> and I was so nervous and so then you know I go into a musical and I'm thinking okay well I can carry a tune but I'm no one soloist right I am not a soprano I'm not out front I'm happy to be crab hands in the back. I just want to be part of the production. <laughs> I just want to be the tree. Right. And so um, I audition and I, I got in the show. And that I credit that experience a lot for why I'm still here. Because that was a connector for me to not only friends that I made through that show and connections I made. Yeah. But also really appreciating the arts and culture scene in the city. Mm-hmm. And it helped me plant roots Because the following year, our son was born. And then, you know, three, almost three and a half years later, my daughter was born. And the roots just start getting longer and deeper. And here we are. That's amazing. I I think that has happened to multiple people here. Yeah. Where you come back to Cedar Rapids and you're like, I'm going to go somewhere else. And then you just 
fall in love with the mm-hmm. city again. Because what else are you looking for? Exactly. Exactly. I actually so I moved back from Chicago uh, four years ago, and was going to move out to either St. Louis or move back to Chicago. I didn't know yet. And then I got a job at Z102.9. And then um, I started, I moved into a house. We were renting. We're not, we didn't bought a house, but I live with my girlfriend. You know, we've got our cats <laughs> and life just kind of started happening here. And all my best friends are here. My family's here. That's a great way to put it though. My roots mm-hmm. are, are deeper and deeper every day here in Cedar Rapids. And what else is there to look for? Yeah. All, all the opportunities that I want here either exist or this is a place where I can create them. Mm-hmm. And um, my friendships are here, family's here. I don't know. I guess the only things that anybody would be looking for anywhere else is, um, it almost feels selfish because it's like, I guess, more fame, more money. I don't know. But those things don't last right. forever in the same capacity that you think they will. Right, right. I mean, it, it's interesting. I already see, you know, uh, 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 whenever I mentioned my dad before, Mm-hmm. Everybody knew who he was, but slowly, people are already forgetting Schulte and Swan. You That's know? crazy to me. I know it was. They, I mean, it was the show for three decades, mm-hmm. and already people are like, I don't know who that was. You know, especially the younger people. Right now, I'd say you and Beth Maliki are the two biggest names in media locally, on any network, not sure. just just yours. That's got to be a trip. It is. But again, but it's, it's a responsibility. All, and it was the goal. Also, may I add, um, so Joe Winters and I do a lot of things together. I just took a selfie with him a couple months ago. It was awesome. See? It's, Joe Winters walks into a room. You know who that man is. That man cancels school. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't really cancel school. And truthfully, Kai needs a little bit of credit, too, because he's the one who's on when schools are canceling, typically, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's infectious though. He like he his, his, uh, his positivity. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's wonderful. And you know, Scott's been around for a long, we, we can't get rid of John Campbell. Um, and who would want to <laughs> John's fantastic. We thought he retired and he, he, he came on the four o'clock news last week and That's we so talked funny. about a story that he put together. So, um, you know, that's, it's, it's really, it's super flattering to be amongst those people because right. those are people who are all senior to me and who I respect and just to be considered in their in that company is wonderful. It is wild that you're 13 years in and you still have people who have who are senior to you. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, and that's also security. You know that if you want to be at KCRG and you just keep doing your due diligence and and working hard and doing mm-hmm. the things you're doing, that's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think that stability is really powerful. You know. Um, okay, so l- let's let's go back a little bit further then. Okay, why don't we? To before you were at KCRG. Okay. Where were you at? I was in Austin, Minnesota. Um, you may have never heard of it. I've heard of Minnesota. <laughs> have you heard of have you heard of spam? Oh, is that where the museum is? That's where the museum is. Oh, I have a shot glass from the museum. Okay, so, so okay, really quick story. My girlfriend, her family, they're quirky. They're great. Quirky as hell. They were like <laughs> Get in the car. We're going to somewhere for a surprise. And they got in the car and they were like, oh my God, are we going to Disney World? And then they pulled up to the Spam Museum and they're like, we're here. And they're like, oh. But I heard it was pretty great. It's actually pretty fun. It is. It's, I mean, if you haven't been. I need to go. It, it's, it, it is fun to see. 
So tell me about okay. Spam, so, Minnesota, and yeah. whatever city you just okay, said. Okay, so Austin, Austin, Minnesota. Minnesota. It's Got about it. the size. Uh, truthfully, it's it's close to the size of the town I grew up in in Ottumwa. Um, around twenty thousand. I don't. I have not checked the latest census, so I'm not. Don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, I believe it's still just one of two places in the country that manufactures spam. The other being Fremont, Nebraska. Mm. You kind of have to have this inherent knowledge when you live in town to be able to talk about spam to a certain level. Absolutely. And if you do go to the spam museum, if you've never tried spam. We have hit our spam threshold, by the way. You can only say spam so many times on this show. Um, But I'm going to let it slide. Canned meat. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they didn't call it that. No, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Which, P.S., comes in a variety of flavors I didn't even know existed until I lived in Minnesota. Oh, this is the first I'm hearing. You get a sample of some of those flavors when you're at the canned meat museum. We, okay. Here, I, your your spam pass is, is given Thank you. Back. Yeah. It's also on the menu up there everywhere. Really? So, anyway. Map Room also has a spam burger. Well. Uh, they need to sponsor my show. <laughs> okay. Map Room, where are you at? Second reference. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was in Austin, Minnesota, so a small town. Uh, where I lived, I could walk everywhere I needed to go to... Um, the gym to restaurant their little main street area there was a coffee shop there um it was it was a great place to have a first job and you're in the trenches with people your own age right and so you're kind of going through the same life experiences together of relationships getting engaged um you know everybody's kind of thinking about the next move in their career where they want to go next and it's it was a really good bonding moment and i remember being frustrated about being in a small place and not being where my boyfriend at the time was. Mm. But I also appreciate it more now when I look back on that time um, to how it really helped me become a better person, a better mm. journalist. And it was really, that first job really just kind of shapes you. And yeah. I couldn't be more grateful for it. So the last question I have then for you before we get out of here is, is um, when the time came to mm-hmm. leave, and moved to Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. How was that transition? How did that come about? Were you, were you constantly already applying for other jobs in bigger markets? I had been, uh, and and really, it was my husband and I looking for jobs together and looking for them in the same place because that was that was part of the challenge. Again, it was two thousand nine, not in two thousand eight slash nine, and not a lot of people were hiring for, you know, yeah, and specifically broadcast positions, and so um, <laughs> actually, it's kind of funny. So I knew Beth. From my time at Mizzou and KOMU. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I knew her because she's a Mizzou grad, and she anchored evenings at KOMU when I was a grad student and a reporter there. Small freaking world. Absolutely. And she left probably about a month or two after I'd started, but she knew I was from Iowa, and I remember her emailing me about how she thought Piasta was a funny town name because it doesn't... delicious. Well, it doesn't even... (laughs) You don't pronounce it the way it looks, and... I'm like, well, that's a lot well, of Iowa just towns. An I in the middle of pasta. Oh, and, and piasta. And I said, to be fair, most states have silly town names that you're <laughs> like, how do you pronounce that? Uh, and so when the jobs came open, um, I don't. People may remember Josh Hinkle, who was on weekend mornings at the time. Mm-hmm. It was his job. He was leaving. He went down to Austin, Texas, where he still is and in the business, which is fantastic. Um, but it was his job, and I knew him from the graduate program, and so. I had called him. He told me it was a weekend morning anchor position. Uh, I reached out to Beth. She walked my tape because they were still physical VHS tapes that we were using for applications and not a website. Yeah. Even in 2008, though? Um, 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so she walked my tape in to the news director at the time. And as they say, the rest the is rest history. The rest is history. Mm-hmm. And that's time. Yeah. Oh, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. This was fun. This is, it's been such a pleasure. I hope you'll come back sometime. Absolutely. Maybe we'll talk about something else. Yeah. You know, because I know you're, you're, you've got so much to tell. I know you have more stories <laughs> that don't have anything to do with time. And, and I think it's so fun to, to get behind the, to break the fourth wall a little bit here because you always do have to be so prepared. Everything's so structured. You always know the next word that's coming out of your mouth. And today you didn't. I have no notes, no prompter, no nothing. No producer today. <laughs> These words were all organic and from Nicole Agee's mouth herself and her brain. <laughs> Okay, there was a producer here, though. Come on. Oh, yeah, Nicole, uh, or, uh, Logan's here. So. Yeah, don't be hating. Uh, I'm not hating, Logan. We appreciate the producers of the world. We do appreciate the producers of the world. But sometimes we just got to spread our wings and fly. <laughs> or something. Okay, everybody, this has been <laughs> One Word Stories. I have been joined by Nicole Agee from KCRG TV 9 News. You can catch her at 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. every single weekday on Channel 9. Nicole, again. I can't thank you enough. This has been my treat. If you guys want to support this show and other shows like it, please consider subscribing to LAS Plus, laspodcastnetwork.com slash plus, 10 bucks a month. You're going to be getting bonus episodes, ad-free content, discounts at our live events, merch, and you're supporting local in a way that's really unique to this area. Who knows what's happening next week? Hey, if you're if you're really cool, we're not actually going away. We're gonna we're gonna go over to the post show. Will you stick around for just a few more minutes, Nicole? I've got the time. Fantastic. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Let's stick around. We're gonna go to the post show here. That's an LAS Plus exclusive post show. So if you're not signed up already and you want to hear this post show, go over to LASpodcastnetwork.com slash plus to get signed up. If you already are, I'll talk to you in just a couple minutes here when you switch over to that. All right, everybody, every single Wednesday, One Word Stories coming out. Thanks so much for giving me some of your time today uh, to listen to this episode. I've been Alex Schulte. This is One Word Stories. And my last question for you, dear listener, is what's your word? Mango Mustache Media.